Lawyer Talk, 511 Bunker Edition, continuing with lockdowns, continuing to provide awesome Lawyer Talk content. We have Dr. Pulaski piped in from Kentucky, uh, where he is not under the iron fist of Dr. Amy Acton and Governor DeWine. Uh, but no, we got lots of stuff to cover today. We're going to talk to Doc Pulaski about uh, the ongoing lockdowns, whether we need masks, what do the numbers look like across the world, get his uh, expert input. We might even challenge him a bit. I don't know. Uh, we have uh, Jeff, Jared, Steve. We are all working safely to produce this podcast. Six feet. And we are going to bring the content that everybody still craves, even on lockdown, perhaps even more than before. So, Doc, how you doing? Doing all right. All right. So we have uh, Dr. Pulaski. Anything new down in Kentucky? I mean, what do the orders look like down there? Um, you know, Kentucky, uh, you know, the per capita rate is, is the per capita of confirmed cases is still pretty low, probably in the bottom 10 states. Um, you know, the governor, Andy Bashir, he, uh, he did kind of move. Uh, you know, ahead of the game and, you know, closed restaurants and uh, big gatherings, um, you know, they canceled the Kentucky Derby or at least postponed it. Um, so the, our numbers aren't that high. And, and I think part of it too, there's not a lot of inter, international travel through Kentucky, maybe, you know, Louisville, um, might be the, the the one place because Kentucky does have the Cincinnati airport, but you know people get in and you know head to Ohio. So the, the numbers here haven't been that bad. The hospitals haven't been you know overwhelmed. Now it's about it's in the middle in deaths per capita. So I think what's happening is um, you know we're not testing as many people per capita as well. I think the people getting tested in Kentucky primarily are those who are sick or hospital bound. And so I think that that's why the death rate is in, is more in the middle. And I think part of that too is the Kentucky has the highest population of smokers and it's an older population too. So the, the virus when it does hit, does hit a little harder in Kentucky. So Man. true, true or false, Doc? Strong Kentucky whiskey kills the virus. Uh, I wish that were true. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had, you had. I got, I got to cover some stuff. All right. So Kentucky's numbers are low, and I think you sort of answered why. Uh, but I did want to ask. I want to follow up the dates of the Kentucky shutdowns. You know, Ohio is pretty, uh, pretty progressive, I guess, to in that way too. I mean, we had the Arnold Festival shutdown. We had. Uh, a bunch of other stuff sort of closed out pretty early. Do you know, I don't recall if Kentucky and Ohio track the same on that or not. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the state government actions, uh, between Kentucky and Ohio were actually very close. Ohio just has, you know, it has more than twice the population. It has a few international hubs, um, has more popular, like large dense population centers. Okay. So Ohio's numbers are going to be worse than Kentucky's, but you know, the, the actions were, they tracked pretty well. Well, that, that brings me to the numbers and the stats, because this is, this has troubled me from the outset. I mean, when, when we're counting the number of deaths 
I think we have to be careful what the denominator is or the enumerator. I don't know what, what the other side yeah. of that, that number is, because if we're counting the number of deaths uh, based upon the number of known cases, that's going right. to be a different number than if we count the number of deaths based upon the population as a whole. And, and then if we really could, we could have like a magic wand and test everybody in the entire population, determine whether they have the antibodies that they were exposed to this in some way, shape or right. form and did not die. So it's like if, if we've tested 35,000 people, say like, I think in Michigan, there was some talk like that number, they tested 35,000 people or they had 35,000 known cases. And I asked the guy I was talking to, well, how many of those that they tested didn't have it? And there was no answer to that. Um, in other words, they're testing only the people that they're pretty sure already have it. Right. Um, so it's but like, that, all right. And that's where you get like that Santa Clara County study in California. They did test, you know, they did test everyone. I think they, um, I'm trying to remember how many they, you know, thousands, including asymptomatic people, people not sick, you know, and they estimate that from those numbers that probably about 4% of the population uh, at that point. So I think the numbers were 35 to 40,000 people have had it. And, you know, that gives you a, a, an idea of how, fa how, how far that spread in the population. Sure. And it, but doesn't it also say this? I mean, here's the, here's, here's what I can't help thinking about. All right. If, if there are, and, and maybe the other one I wanted to ask you about along the same vein before I get there is like um, the cruise ships and then the, uh, you know, the Navy ship where there was some sort of that focused testing of everybody who had yeah. been exposed. And, you know, something like 60 or 70% of those folks uh, had antibodies or had the virus in some way, shape, or form with either zero or very minimal symptoms. Right. Um, and that tells me that most of us are going to get it. Most of us probably have already been exposed to it. Uh, and we're not going to be symptomatic at all. And it's not going to kill us, to say the least. Um, and this isn't to say the thing isn't dangerous to those who it will kill. But it, it, I think we have right. to at least consider that side of it. Yeah, you know... Here's here's kind of a gestalt take on this, um, just based on, and again, there isn't like a set of data to show this. You kind of got to read and look at various sets of data. It seems like about 50% of the people who are exposed to it are asymptomatic. Um, and then probably 25%, they feel kind of, you know, don't film feel they can tell they're sick, but not deathly sick. And then probably 25% are sick enough to consider going to the hospital. 15% require admission. And then, um, it, you know, it's looking like the, the death rate from actual exposure is probably around 03 to 0.5%. If you look at all those numbers, which is, I and, mean, we were talking like a lot more at the outset, people were talking like the, the death rate was going to be these astronomical right. uh, numbers, but it's not, I mean, I think what you're telling us now is it's not that based on those who, who have been exposed. Right. And, and it's hard to tell because by and large, we're only testing people who are in that 
um, maybe 20 to 25% who are sick enough to seek medical attention. Gotcha. So are you saying that huge chunk of people, only that small percentage actually pass away? Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, um, you know, as, as more of these, like, uh, I guess you'd call it a complete population test, like the Santa Clara County or on these, uh, uh, ships, you know, a couple people die. Um, I a decent chunk, you know, feel sick, uh, but the majority really didn't have any symptoms and they already have antibodies against the virus. So that tells you that their body had it and they, they cleared it. Well, let me add one more. Let me add some more to this too, because, you know, one of my favorite things now is to really ponder cause and effect. And what I, what I, when, when I open my eyes to basic cause and effect, not just in virus land, but all lands, rarely is one thing responsible for an effect. Usually there's a multitude of causes and different levels at different times uh, operating or putting pressure on something that forces a result. And you've already mentioned like Kentucky, for instance, uh, you have more smokers and obviously smokers are susceptible to this, I presume because of the inflammation and the other, uh, it, it does something to their lungs that, that the virus likes. Um, as far as the death rate goes, I think Kentucky's better than Ohio. Yeah, but how do you define death rate? Well, Ohio has had 976 deaths. This is an article this morning. Per cases, per population, per, you know. Yeah, Kentucky's I, had 240. Right, but I, but Kentucky has 4.4 million and Ohio has 11. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So what I, the way I assess it, I look at the deaths per 1,000 people or deaths per million. Um, to me, that's a fairer comparison. And then don't you have based then that, that circles right back to my question or what I was getting at. It's like, then you have to circle back to like, what's the age of the population? Because if you're 64 or older, like the chances of dying for this go up exponentially. And I think right. that's because not because you're, you're just old and you're going to, it'll happen to you, but because the older you get, the more likely you are to have one of these other uh, concurrent conditions that makes you more susceptible to the virus, like, like uh, a heart condition or, right. Yeah. or uh, age. age or a heart condition or diabetes or kidney issues already. And then all of a sudden it's not, it's not just because you're 64. That's not a magic number. It's because that happens to be where uh, your age correlates with other issues. Right. So if you this, say this study was per hundred thousand residents total. Yeah. All right. So if you have a population where you're really young, um, man, New York's getting creamed, but well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of people there. So I guess what I guess here, I guess my point is, is that if you are, if you're going to say any equation, any, any policy, any decision made on this, I would think demands at this point, now that we have this newer or, or evolving data set about who is the most susceptible to it or what kind of people, I mean, it seems like it has to be premised not on like this, uh, kill the entire body, but rather get more surgical about it and say, all right, we know that, for instance, if you're overweight, you're a higher risk. If you are, and maybe that's because you have heart conditions that are comorbid with that, or if you are diabetic or, you know, whatever it would be, you, you, those are the people that are higher risk. And the rest of us, statistically, it's like, all right, yeah, it could happen that you're going to die from it. Um, but the chances of that are really, really low. And I, and this isn't to say I'm not 
empathetic to somebody who died when they're 25 of this. But it is to say that, all right, you're more likely to die in a car crash or you're more likely, if you're going to look at it statistically, um, you know, protecting or, or locking down an entire population to protect that statistically just doesn't seem to make sense to me. So somebody talk me off that ledge. Mm. Well, I think those people do agree. The, the same people that are that are that have pre-existing conditions that this will harm them, the flu will do the same to them, and multiple other things will do the same to them. You know, that's just kind of like how life goes, right? Yeah, I mean, the sicker you are, <laughs> I mean, the the more at risk you are of dying from an additional insult to your body. So those people should have food delivered to them, stay at home, not communicate, you know what I mean, to, yes. watch, to, to protect themselves. Unless they don't care. There's a lot of people that are like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm alive. This, just live your life. Well, even, you know, you know who those people are? They're the older people. Like, They're my mom. I was, I was yeah. at my mom and dad's house yesterday, you know, and I went over there to help them move some furniture, and I did not wear a mask. I didn't wear a mask because I hate them. And I'm hoping that I was, you know, that I was asymptomatic and I passed it on. And, but that wasn't it. And then, you know, we've had conversations about where our world is, the rights that we are going to lose that we'll never get back. And my mom was like, you just got to live your life. She's like, we're all going to die. I mean, we're all going to die. She's, and she wants to get back to going to church. She wants to live her life. And, it, I, and she doesn't mean I'm going to go live recklessly, like no. sneezing on people and asking people to sneeze on me. I think uh, th there is that. But uh, it's getting really difficult. I mean, I guess at first, if I'm looking at this, Doc, we, did, we didn't know very much. We just knew that this was like Italy. And we saw, right. you know, we just saw these horrible things. And then the media starts uh, reporting these horrible things. And then I don't want to panic might be the right word, but it was scary. And I, and I, I, was, I was worried about it. Um, you know, even though my better judgment thought, man, we don't know enough yet to, but yeah, we had to act and then we acted based on incomplete information. And I'm not faulting the fact that we had incomplete information and maybe that just was what it was. Right. But do we know more now that would change policy? If we could turn back the clock, would you change the policy on these lockdowns? I mean, you said that your hospitals up there are not, or down there are not full. Ours aren't full either. Right. And I'm not sure any are. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that things did get locked down. Okay. But you we know, can never prove or nor disprove that. Well, I guess that's what we, well, that's, we will that's never a, be able to prove nor exactly, disprove that. Exactly. You can't have two alternate realities where one you lock down and then the other you don't. Now, you can do that based on some countries and and steve and i have been kind of going back and forth on this about sure you know the sweden and the netherlands um were pretty laid back they didn't close things down right yep you know they kind of kept things going and then some other scandinavian countries uh did do a strict lockdown uh, or you know shutting things down early on and if you look at the death, the per capita death rates, um, you know, Sweden and the Netherlands have done a lot worse than the others so far. It, right. So far in, in the, you know, the thought is 
by slowing things down, we're going to start figuring out how to treat the symptoms. We'll get closer to getting a, a vaccine. And so you're, the thought is you're reducing your, your mortality rate, holding things off until we get a better handle on things. Yeah. So um, when, when is that? When do we magically get a better handle on things? You know, in a year? I, I, I stood behind and I, and I felt, okay, I was, I was fine with the 14 days, but now you to turn that in, into two months, it, yeah. it's, 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 there is going, and, and then all of these causes and things that have gone out, there are going to be, I believe, more repercussions from things that have been implemented since Corona than Corona. All right. Yeah, you're right. So let me, let me sort of frame the debate here because, uh, and then we'll let everybody go at it because what you said, I think makes perfect sense, doc. I mean, I guess if the logic behind the lockdowns, it seems to me would be one, make sure that we have the necessary supplies and resources, uh, to deal with the sick people. That makes sense Two, uh, delay it as much as reasonably possible so if there is a, so we can learn how to treat it, um, that makes some sense to me. Uh, but then on the other hand, and three, I suppose, if you had, even if you had both those things in place and then you had an immediate rush on the hospitals with thousands and thousands of sick people, how many, even if you had the right treatments, even if you learned how to treat the symptoms, how many people die in the margins because they're not getting uh, the kind of care that they would have gotten or would have received if it weren't crowded. So in other words, there's a diminishing right. marginal rate of return on the kind of care you can get. The more people you add, the less individual care there is. All right, so that's the one side. The other side, um, we are destroying the economic structure of our society, which has its own ramifications like uh, depression, anxiety, stress, uh, which yeah. makes you, that screws with your immune system as much as anything. Um, two, you have people who are not getting regular medical care they otherwise would have received, uh, meaning, uh, you know, those folks who are getting sick for stuff unrelated to COVID or who needed treatment aren't getting it um, because the hospitals aren't treating those people. Uh, you've got that problem. And then, you know, and then the, I guess you factor in some of the other stuff like, all right, well, and this is what you were getting at, Jared, how many people are, are I heard some stats about child molestation rates are going up. And I, I question some of that because I think what's happening now, they're getting reported. <laughs> so it's like that's uh, – and, and, you know, police officers have been called off uh, of enforcement of some things and then placed on enforcement of other things. And one of the things is domestic-related crime. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to see an increase in that. Um, and on the other hand, maybe it is happening more because everybody's locked in one room. Uh, and then I've heard arguments about the ongoing uh, d destruction, or that's not the right word, the ongoing damage caused to people by these other sort of insidious mental and, uh, and anxiety-related things versus getting sick for a short period of time and surviving it. It's like you don't get over the kind of mental health problems that, th that this is causing for, for losing your business, for losing your house for losing your job. The, the thing that, you know, I think as humans, the things that make us happy aren't getting free, isn't getting free stuff. It's actually accomplishing something and doing something and, and good or bad or ugly, you agree with it or not. Most of us identify with our accomplishments at work and our accomplishments at home or 
going out and doing something, climbing a mountain, riding a, you know, doing whatever it is, um, getting a project done and, and nobody is getting anything done. And it's, it's becoming really, really, I, I, I sense, uh, an explosion, I guess. I I feel, I, I do too. I mean, we're seeing economic numbers that have not been seen since the great depression. You know, we're already past the great recession unemployment rate. And that took a while to get to this, I think is what 16 or 18% unemployment. And they are projecting it's going to be in the 20%. Yeah. You know, in a, another month or two, it is, it's, uh, you know, and you, you hear about farmers dumping milk and, Mm. uh, you know, chicken and other food sources just being thrown in the garbage. I mean, that stuff you heard about in the great depression, you know, farmers throwing out their crops yeah, because they can't distribute them or the it's, it costs more money to distribute than, than to actually sell them. You know, th- those are things I remember my grandparents talking about mm. and reading yeah. in grapes of wrath. Yeah. And, and if you, you know, Jared, you were talking, Jared's got a close friend who's in the meat distribution business and he is cautioning everybody like, look guys, you don't get it. Um, the cost of our food, particularly our meat is, is going to skyrocket because mm-hmm. right now, they would normally be preparing for orders that were coming in the future. Um, but those orders, you know, they can't, like you said, doc, they can't just, they got nowhere to sell it. And if you can't sell it, then how are you going to get it? And why are you going to grow it? And if you're, if you send it off to the, the uh, processing plant, and the processing plants closed. So now you're just going to kill it. And, um, you know, so when people, when it ramps back up, it's not like the restaurants are going to be able to just order, a hundred pounds of pork or a hundred pounds of chicken wings or a hundred pounds, whatever. Cause it's not going to be there. Now you got scarcity there. So the cost of your food that uh, people take for granted is going to be quadruple. Um, yeah. It's not and like these, these stimulus things. It's like putting a bandaid. No, no, no. Uh, when it, you it's have worse. an incoming, it's worse. when you, ha- it's a when blindfold. you have, yeah, you have, you have buckshot coming at you. And we're just putting a bandaid over where that buckshot's going to land. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a blindfold because what's happening is people aren't feeling the pain, and I don't mean that I want people to feel pain. I, I mean that yeah. if we don't like, uh, maybe it's like this: if you uh, it, 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 take it to a medical thing, if you have a condition where you don't feel pain, that's really bad for your body because you're going to do things to it that kill it, and you won't even know it's happening. And yeah. uh, our, our pain response is designed to guide our behavior. Yeah. And protect us. So I'm not going to hit myself with a hammer or touch a stove because it freaking hurts. Um, but if I've got, uh, right now people are sort of lulled into this complacency. I see it on Facebook and these are good friends of mine. And I, I, you know, there, and I see both sides of the debate. They're saying, wait a minute, you idiots. We have to shut down, you know, whatever. And, And I would just like to know, are they collecting a paycheck? Because if the people taking that position are collecting a paycheck, then they can hardly understand what it's like for the folks who are not. They can hardly right. understand for the folks who can't go to work. They can hardly mm-hmm. understand uh, for the folks that applied for unemployment and it hasn't shown up yet. And while they complain about uh, working from home with their kids bugging them, there's other people that are at home and their kids are bugging them and they're not getting paid. Uh, and it's it's a really, really 
this isn't to criticize either side as much as it is to say it's about perspective. And I feel that those who have sort of uh, been inconvenienced by having to work from home don't quite understand the buckshot you're describing that's coming their way when this opens up uh, because they haven't had to feel it yet. Yeah. There's, there's, and it's given a social divide amongst people, you know, that like where climate change had a social divide and people were arguing amongst each other. This right here has added to that and it will add to it to where it is. It's pulling people apart to where there's going to be (laughs) social shaming going on on one side to another it's happening and it's it's like happening it, facebook and, and, and stuff like and it's, people are it's, it's, cooped up in the house and, and, it's, and and that right there is not good for our mental being uh, and then you get into like i know a couple that have a child and they both got let go or laid off until they can go back to work and they have not received an unemployment check over five weeks they're put they're buying food on their credit cards you know, hoping that'll come in. So now they got to pay a percentage onto that. There's some people that it's going through and getting on, you know, and, and they're getting it. Well, then you throw in the government adding $600 onto that to where a lot of people are making more than their paycheck was. Yeah. So then when you do get to open and you get to open under restrictions, you cannot have, if, you're, if you can't run at 100%, you don't need 100% of the employees. So you're going to have to ask a few to come in or a few not to come in, and somebody's going to see it, and they're going to be like, well, why should I come in when I can get more for staying at home? Which that's the short game. But then also the restaurants and everything, they got to hit the worst. You know, there's going to be 25% that probably will not reopen. There right. will be uh, out of the ones that reopen, we'll be lucky to see 40% hold on. And then you get to where you, you can only see you had 100 seats. Now you got 50 seats. So now you don't need four servers. You don't need the line cooks that you had there. I mean, I assume the social distancing continues. Yes, it's going to You know continue. these restaurants where you like kind of sit right on top of people? Yeah. Especially in the short north, places no, like that? No, that's not, gonna, that's not how that. they're going to reopen. So the worst part is they're like, well, they got carry out. So they were lucky to get 10% of business. Now you're going to let them reopen for a number of months while only letting them have 50%. Yeah. So now let's say you're a line cook and you don't get the dishwasher in because you, you're going to be like, well, you got to wash some dishes. But he's like, hey, man, the dishwasher's sitting at home making more money than I am right now. Then they complicate friend, the, the whole— To make your point, I have a friend in another state that runs a business, has has employees, and they, they had something in that state similar to where they were their government was putting more money on top of your normal unemployment. He had a couple employees come to him and be like, hey, when it picks back up, if you can only take like half employees, I'll stay back. Like take somebody right. else because like just the cash they're collecting on that they're like what the hell with it I can just sit at home. And, but then but you see they can sit at home and when that runs out and they go back to Main Street and all the doors are closed because they didn't help them keep them open they're gonna be like well hey where's I was gonna come back now yeah, you know what I mean and they were, yeah <clears throat> and they were unable to come back now they got and the blinds so just cough dude then come within on, within uh your group there the morality <laughs> of your of your business of your people working together is now also going to be thrown aside. Yeah. And the difficulties, and then the government comes out with this great thing that they tell everybody, this this payment protection program, we're going to hook you up, we're going to help you out until you get the loan. Because even when you're signing for it, they don't tell you what the rules are, which I did on it. And then I and, and there's been complication after complication, and then once you read the fine print, at the end it's like, I just got to give it back. That's just pretty much how it's going to have to go. Yeah. Um, because... I'm not going to be able to follow in their guidelines because the governor's changed. Now, if he hadn't, the dates would have worked out just right. I could have brought everybody back. I can't pay them if I'm not open, if we're not working. 
So yes, they should stay on the unemployment there, which makes it to where that this help that I was going to get, and I, I love it, they called it relief funds for small businesses. You get a relief if you have a hurricane or tornado. I, this is yeah. this is a, a mandate that you know. I mean, I, I didn't. We a lot of businesses that will not reopen didn't close their doors because of mismanagement of funds. They didn't close their doors because they were providing bad service, not because they they there is. And then the effects from that are going to roll on to the companies that have found that hey, they can work from home. <laughs> Why should I pay somebody to take out the trash? They can take out their own trash. They can clean their own bathroom. You know, we so, don't need four people in this group. We only need three people, and you all can work from home. Now we don't need this big building. I don't need to pay this rent here. Yeah. And there's going to be steps like that. And whenever I start reading, you start dissecting them all. And then I say this, for what? We're going to lose all of this for what? I know, but right, are we is- assuming that Acton and DeWine are not— I mean, clearly they're trying to act in everybody's best interest. Oh, hold on. Let, uh, me, let me comment on that, but then we're going to get back to Doc to say, I want, I want you to answer the for what, uh, Doc. But you're, Jeff, you got a great question. So finish what you were saying there. Are well, you- I'm just, it, obviously, I don't know. I don't know anything about this virus. I mean, I know what I read, but it's media. Who knows if it's accurate or not? Obviously, we've seen, we saw it start where it started and we saw it spread. And then we hear about death rates and we hear about people being really sick. It's like, I, it would be hard for me to believe that Dwayne's standing there not with everybody's best interests in mind. I well, get that he can't sympathize because he's still getting a check. And well, there's it's people more than that, right? It, it, so hear me out. It, this is this is it. So and we talked about this early on. And I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm, I'm just making no, 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 making no, the point. No, no, I don't right. think I don't think he's acting in bad faith. All right. So let's take government action generally. So you could have those government actors who just flat out act in bad faith because they want to be dictators and they want to usurp power for themselves, and they're just mean, awful, horrible people, uh, and just go back to like Nero, right? I mean, you've got people like that. Then on the other side, you got people that act in total, total good faith. They want, they're want they the most empathetic people in the world. They only want the best for society. And then maybe in the middle, you've got people who are both, right? Because the power structure of their job is just that. They have to please people to keep their job, because their job is, in our country anyway, depending upon voters. Um, all right. Irrespective of what it is, we have to factor all that in. So if you're a politician making decisions here and you did nothing, then you don't get your job back because if this blows up, you're going to get blamed. If you did everything. Well, we saw that in like uh, what, Florida? Yes. Then the Florida governor kind of delay and he just opened beaches back up too, right? Yep. And he may end up being okay. But it, it's it's it, these people have an, they have a motive that exist next to their their interest in, in only helping people. But then take another thought for a second. But don't they have a fallback? They, it's, it seems like the medical field is their fallback. They got so cover. He, he, we sits call down that cover. With, he sits down with Acton and says, is this necessary? Right. She says, by my calculations, just like the doc here is doing, All right. so take this Amy is my Acton. recommendation. When's the last time Amy Acton learned anything about economics? <laughs> And I'm not saying that she's not smart at what she does with her job, but this is a multifaceted problem. This isn't a problem that is just medical. This is a problem that is economic. This is a problem that is political. This is a problem that is constitutional. This is a pro- this is a problem that is psychological for humans. I mean, th- this is a very complicated problem. And to t- come at it with only one, we do this all the time, right? You're going to do this because you have cover. You can always say, well, I just followed the medical advice. Um, and But that doesn't mean that it was the right action. So, you know, I'm not criticizing as much as I'm just saying we have to at least accept that they could have good motives and still do bad stuff. 
Um, or if their motives are to please most of the people, what about the minority of people? Or if their motives are to please this group because that is a special interest group, well, then you know, you've got the other problem. Uh, it just is a very complicated uh, set of circumstances. And think about the worst policies that we've ever had uh, that have resulted in just economic disaster. They, weren't, they didn't come from the, the intent to cause economic disaster, but those are unintended consequences of other things. And we've talked about this before, say like, um, well, here's a good one. So there was a, uh, back in Jim Crow days, there was, uh, there was segregation laws and the, and somebody did a study where if the government was responsible for the bus line, then it was, it was enforced with an iron hand that if you were a, a black person, you had to sit in the back or you didn't ride in places where the private sector, um, was in charge of the bus line. They didn't follow the rules. Why? Because it was stupid. If I got a full, if I got half full bus, I'm going to fill it up with whoever's going to give me a dime to ride the bus. But the government didn't care, um, and it just shows that like if they don't have the the economic um, incentive necessarily, then they they don't. It's not that it's not that they don't care about the people, but they're not going to have the same motivation that maybe somebody else would. So like, well, certainly, it's not all about you. Would, I, I would think that DeWine has met with a number of advisors, you know, with people with job and family services. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's thought about all those things. Has he met with anybody in the private side who's sitting with uh, twiddling their thumbs with a business that can't sustain itself anymore? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and- I don't know the right answer. I get, I agree with all the stuff. I'm worried about my kids' mental health. I mean, they can't go to school. We, we've had how many conversations on this podcast about those darn screens? Yep. And how the impact it has on our kids. Well, that's the only way they're interacting with their classmates, with their teachers, with their homework, schoolwork. It's all on that darn thing now. And it's like we've just and and it's good training isn't and it? we have to stay home. It's good training. So there's not much else to, to do to push them with fear to make them well, just to sit inside. Go run around the house a couple and, times and, for some and, exercise. And get them to follow along. That's that's good fear right there. Well, you know, uh, I heard this on the. I think it was NPR that economists have actually tried to answer this question. And the way economists work, and this applies for, um, you know, insurance, actuaries, uh, policymakers, you know, for like a, a safety policy, um, they, they value each human life at $10 million across the board. That's just, um, and that's based on your your productivity, taxes, the the goods and services you you know provide or build, and all that. They said on average across the board, it's ten million dollars. And so they've done the math, and at least for now, they said that the the, the current lockdown and the number of lives it's saving is actually adds more value than the economic loss that's occurring. Now this was done uh, a few weeks ago and I I have a feeling they're gonna keep going back and doing that calculus. And I think there is gonna be a point where the financial impact does become worse than the potential loss of life. And I don't think we're at that point yet. Well, hold on, hold but on. Jared, you said it. If, if this didn't get extended again, I might have been able to what you're not, function here. What they're not factoring in, well, first of all, I'm not sure I accept that uh, that 
I'm not, I don't know if I accept the premise, but I'll, I'll take it for now. The $10 million premise. It, it's um, NPR. So it's 100% because I think, I think a life is, I think a life is more than money. Um, right. and I, it's, but let's just accept that. But what they're doing is looking at it in a frozen point in time. So the question right, is, what's the, what, like right now, if I stopped, it's not like it goes back to what it was. It's how long the damage exists, economically speaking, going into the future. So we've eliminated forever certain industries, and I doubt they will come back. Now, uh, you can look at that as a, as a broad swath of uh, dollars that all count the same, but it's not the same. Uh, to, like if you, it's like the, it, there, it, to say you're going to – we've done this much damage in dollar figures without saying um, – we have now created a situation where we cannot get back to where we ever were, and it's going to continue to get worse on in some correlative way the longer we stay closed. I, I get. I don't know if I've enunciated or if I've uh, expressed well, that clearly well, enough. To I mean, what I'm trying to say that I think I think they are going to keep redoing those calculations, and I know that um, at least a few weeks ago they said that the the slowdown or shutdown is actually beneficial at this point. But I, cause we're all asking when, what, when do you determine, okay, we need to really start getting back to normal. I think that type of calculation it, it, as cold as it is, but in the, in the 10 million per life is, has been what's been used, you know, for a long time for policymakers and economists. Oh no, I'm with you. I guess, but I look yeah. at I look at economics in maybe a little bit different way. If you're going to have government policy designed to do X, all too often your efforts to accomplish X uh, either fall short um, or miss completely, uh, and then have an un- unintended consequence over here. We'll call that Y, and uh, and usually the explanation out of the government actors is not that we just made a bad decision over here with X. It's that we didn't do enough of it. And now we need to do more to make sure we can get to X. And the only reason the Y happened either, they, if they even acknowledge it would be because somebody else wouldn't let me do more of X. And th- this is, and that's economics in a different sense. That's economics from a, like if we're going to have a policy driven program, like shutting down the country, it's like, what are we trying to accomplish? Is it working um, and not as, and what you're assessing and I accept it, I suppose is like, all right, so the damage we're doing with this policy, even if it's a bad policy, the curves haven't crossed yet. If you consider it in that light, in that light, but is it a good policy? And is it resulting in more damage somewhere else, uh, that maybe doesn't equate nicely to a $10 million figure, but rather, right. uh, has worse thing. I mean, infinitely worse, uh, consequences. You know, and then you factor in stuff like you're seeing, we, you mentioned before, like the global warming stuff, you're seeing these pictures of these cities that are shut down with the, the smogs gone and things like that. Um, is there benefit there? Like, I know we read the other day, the ozone layer closed or whatever the heck it was because there's no smog. It, it That seems like a collapsed set of conclusions to me. I, I haven't read enough to know, but it's like, if somebody's going to say, all right, we've closed down. So now the environment's better. You're, like you're like the some half the reaction was that see that just proves that we need to get rid of all this stuff. Um, I would immediately answer it's like all right, well it tells me one that we have total control over this and we can change it whenever we want because we did in four weeks and two, uh, it's like it's not killing us when it was open so let's just keep it open to hell with it and if something changes let's close it up all we have to do is this and it works great. 
move on. Now, nobody wants to hear that. You know, they want to hear that we need more of that. Uh, so let's keep destroying the economic uh, structure in our society and make it so that everybody is dirt poor and can't live because sooner or later the money runs out. I mean, what then what? We can't print it. You know, we're going we're gonna to result to uh, the barter system again. I mean, the dollar will lose its value sooner or later. I mean, there's going to have to be something that happens here. So I guess the question, the, the question was still on the table. Jared asked, Doc, is why? It's like, what, what, is, what have we gained? And, I forgot about that. And what is your, yeah. it's like, by all of this, for, for what? what? Yeah, for, for what? what? And I think there's for an what? answer, but then for what next? <laughs> on the spot. <clears throat> well, I mean, the, the, the strategy has been, you know, to flatten the curve. It's flat. To, it is, and it is flattening. The problem is if you let go, are we going to see this big surge? I, I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I think the doctor makes a good point too. It's like the this period of time allows us to learn more about how to deal with it. Well, sure. And, comes and get a vaccine. Yeah. There's always more. Yeah. To me, the gold, once there's a vaccine to this, then, and it's readily available and you can get it to at least 50% of the population. Now you're not going to have these huge outbreaks. Well, I mean, and, and, and Oxford AstraZeneca, um, they've had pretty good success. They think uh, they'll be available for a large number of people. And it'll probably go to first responders and healthcare workers, you know, by the fall. Well, hold on because it's a I, vaccine. I yeah. I want to get back to okay. the, cause I, I texted you about that Oxford thing, which seems really, really promising. But before we get there, it's like we were talking when we first started. It's like a vaccine, really, that was like a year out. That was like a pie in the sky. And now here's what I'm seeing. So this is it, right? This is the – we need more. You know, so we flatten the curve. Well, Trump says they just need a really good flu shot. Well, Clorox, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so it's like <laughs> we, uh, we need – we wanted to flatten the curve. And I asked initially when we were flattening the curve, and I said, for what purpose? Like what, what's to be gained when the curve is flat? We're at that point. The curve is flattened. Now what? Well, we need more. And why do we need more? Because there's the next carrot out there, a vaccine in the fall. So are we going to say we're going to shut down until August or September? Because now we have this carrot of the vaccine. Well, what if that doesn't work? Um, and I get it. You can ask what if, but if we don't, you can ask what if with anything. But come on, you can't just say that now we're waiting on the vaccine. The next thing we're going to do is we're going to wait on uh, you know, the, the other group that's creating a vaccine. Maybe theirs will work. And then by then, it's I like, don't envy the person that has to make this call. I mean, because it's like, if you make the call the other way to say, no, I can't keep hurting these local businesses. They need to open. And then there's this outbreak of sickness. It's more it's than like, local businesses. It's people, man. It's yeah. people, brother. It's livelihoods here, man. Well, and then the, when they close, what do they do? The, the unemployment hasn't even hit it if there's nothing for them to go to, man. Yeah. And, you know, and then yeah. you come into where they, they extend it down and they go through with it. You know, now they're like, okay, we can slowly open, and, and here's your new set of rules to run your business. And then you know, I'm going to bring it up. We're going to go off there, but I got, I got to. I got to go on the mask, man. I, I got to go on the mask because for a couple months, we had the big box stores running the world, right? Because Target could be open and Costco. And, Costco and, yeah. and, and I went to all of them, right? And I wasn't wearing a mask, and you'd see some people, and I'd see hardly any employees wearing a mask. But now, after two months, then they're like, nope, all employees must wear a mask. All customers must well, wear a mask. No, that's Costco. All, but well, yeah, Costco too. In Costco some places, went, and that goes mask. into but that's that's private industry. That's their house. That's yeah. their rules. Yeah. These are the government rules. 
So now what also employers are going to need to think about is the fatigue. Because I went into Kroger's the first day that they all had to wear one, and they were all sweating. Okay, because, see, you breathe out CO2 and you breathe in oxygen. And you're wearing that mask and you're running around stocking shelves and moving things around, doing physical activities. They're going to get fatigued. Their body's going to break down. They're going to be more susceptible to get other well, things. Well, look at the medical. And other, well, well, doc, look at the think? medical pictures you see and, and the nurses and, and the doctors and so, that but, are just. But if they, if they have to wear them, where are the bodies, man? Where are the bodies? Where are the Walmart's bodies? All of these people have been more accepted right, than people. Down. Where's the Walmart bodies? Yeah. So, what do you mean? I mean, the employees. Oh, they, they don't wear them? They haven't been, not until now. Well, right. we all know Walmart's the Wild West, Listen, man. Walmart, Kroger's, it doesn't matter, man. Those places, their employees were not wearing them for over two months here in Ohio. I would go into these stores, and they weren't, and now they're being forced to. Well, why? Why? Why not before, and why now? Lower the curve. Stop the Low, spread. Stop, what are you talking Flatten about? Where, where are the bodies? If there was such an issue and a problem where they have to have it, why aren't we hearing these big numbers of Costco employees dying, of Kroger employees dying, and all these stock boys dropping over? Because they've been more at risk than anybody else. Doc? There have been some deaths of Kroger sure. employees, but but not a, you know not a lot. Well, I think that gets back to the, you know, 50% of the people are going to sure. be asymptomatic. Um, and this is where, and everyone keeps saying this, we need more testing. We need more testing. You know, we do need antibody testing. I, and I bet you that a lot of the uh, Kroger, Walmart, all these, all these service industries that have stayed open, I bet you they have a high uh, seropositivity rate. Well, yeah. and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? But I, I mean, the, the, the testing. So this is a question after the doctor about the testing. So I go and get the antibody, whatever the heck the test is, says you're negative for coronavirus. But then I go the next week and I have court dates. I have prisoners I have to interact with. It's like, so it just tells me for now I'm negative, but next week I could, I could be positive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so there's two, there's two kinds of tests. There's the, there's one where you're looking if you have, coronavirus in you and that's that nasal swab and it what that does is it picks up any viral rna that's right? active you mean like active virus that, yeah it? that's active and then the <clears throat> antibodies a blood test that shows if you have been exposed to it and you have antibodies oh, okay gotcha okay so that's the best one i would think right now here's the argument we always hear though it's like oh but it doesn't mean you can't get it again but then i always come back with well it means when you got it the first time you didn't get sick so give me it again i mean or maybe it mutates and you get really sick then i don't know but it's like it, it, just because you have antibodies doesn't mean you're going to get it again so if you extrapolate the contrary position that well you could get it again it doesn't mean you're going to be immune forever well, then there's no ever a lockdown or there's no ever a reason to come out of lockdown until we have a hundred percent vaccine. Uh, if you take yeah, that, that's logic. a scary thought yeah. on the other yeah, side, but you know, the, 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 the WHO, I guess they, they made that tweet that says that the immunity is not guaranteed. Well, what is guaranteed? right? So. Uh, yeah. And not only that, they're saying it hasn't been proven yet, but every other, virus and infection infectious agent you know once you've survived an exposure to it you're going to have some immunity to it and maybe the immunity lasts a couple of years um but you know like with our current immunization schedule now you get boosters and that that's because 
you know, the immunity, in some cases, the immunity doesn't last forever and you got to kind of rekindle the uh, immune response. But if you have antibodies to it and you did fine, you're, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And of course, nobody's going to guarantee it, but think of the words right. they're using, right? Right. It, that, that's just uh, uh, almost like a scientific formality. Yeah. Is that they, they yeah. can't say 100, 500% or whatever it would be, but they can. Yeah. I think that the best point you made just there is like, what other disease, infection, virus have we had where if you were exposed, you could get it again and, and it would be worse? Or it would, you know, it's like, if that's never happened before, then why this one? Yeah, I mean, you can't like the chicken pox virus, you know, you get chicken pox as a kid and then maybe in your 50s or 60s, you get shingles. You know, there's an example of kind of a reinfection or a reactivation, but that's years down the line, you know, for what's going on right now. If you have antibodies against COVID, that means and you were never really sick. That means you're going to be fine. Well, and again, I think, I think Jared, your point to follow up on that, that where are the bodies, that question, I think the point is the same thing that you're saying, Doc, which is, all right, the masks, I think what we're really saying is the masks would not have made any difference for them one way or another. They were going to probably get it mask or not, or get exposure mask or not. Or if you wear a mask and you keep yourself safe forever, it's like, all right, when, when are you going to slip up and, and get exposed you're going to get it sooner or later. So uh, now if somebody is carrying symptoms around and they get around a uh, somebody who does get sick and die, um, you know, th- so the question is, do you, that, that begs the next question, which is, do we burden everybody with the same policy, um, even though one, it's not guaranteed to work and two, it may be counterproductive. And that's where I want to ask you, Doc, about the other thing Jared said about like, um, fatigue, sweat, and those other things. And to me, that's less about CO2 or CO2. That's CO2. less about their, their ability to fight or their immune system getting depressed, but more about as soon as you start sweating, as soon as you get tired, as soon as you, um, you're having trouble with the mask, you're going to start touching, right? You're going to start, you're, you're, you're going to start engaging in your own behavior. That is con that is worse than not wearing the mask in the first place. Yeah. Well, the, <sighs> So the mask, the best thing that the mask does is if you're an asymptomatic carrier, that it's harder for you to spread it to other people. So how long do I have to do this? So it's a curve flattening. So they're going to say that we got to go through June, July, August, because when Amy was talking, she had said that we need to sign a new social contract with each other. I think the mask is the new normal. And and that's what she wants. That's what you want. It should not be the new normal. If, and so I heard whenever I heard Costco and I know that Menards that you have to wear a mask to go in, which that is their business. That is their home. I guess that's their call. I will not shop there, man. And if it comes down to it, you have to wear a mask. You're not going to go to I, Costco. I, yeah, I won't. No, I won't. I won't. Really? Yeah. No, I, I won't. And I've got, you know, big, I mean, so now I've got, I'm going to open up and they gave me this rule here. Now they say face covering, so it doesn't have to be a mask. Yeah, you can wear so your So my staff can wear a, a bandana and they can pull yeah. it up. Or before I cop or something, I could go like this with my shirt and pull it over my nose and be respectful to other people. But how long is this going to go? And then when they find COVID-20 next year, because 19 was 2019 and they find the new 20, 
You know, how long are we going to let this go, man? Well, let me ask about, let me, let me take it a different direction for a second. And then we're going to I mean, China, promise. China's been wearing masks for years, right? Well, well, uh, I don't know if it's mandated. Do. I have no idea. I don't know, but I know, I know that they've utilized masks for a long time. But I want to talk about whether it could be mandated. So think about this. I've already seen this. Um, you know, there's no, I don't think there's any question whatsoever that there's a good chunk of our population that just is in love with socialism and those conceptual understandings and what the government ought to do. Jared. And and their form of government would somehow work uh, because they would give the government the power to force us to do things like wear masks. Um, now, if as soon as you give them, as soon as you give the government that power, it doesn't mean that they're always going to use it with altruistic motives or even smart ones. So you, it's like you're opening up a Pandora's box of enormous implications on our freedoms. And, you know, I'm not going to be uh, I'm not going to be shy about saying it. it scares the piss out of me because already on Facebook, I've seen anti-gun folks saying, boy, it's like if we're going to wear a mask and protect the others from our uh, uh, exposure, doesn't that sound a lot like uh, protecting others from people's guns? And I'm like, all right, Jared. So it's like they've actively it's not that it happens sort of incrementally or even secretly or even like uh, organically. It is an active thing. People are saying, all right, since we are allowed to do this, we can also do that. And uh, it it gets it gets really scary. So the same power to take your guns is the same power that bans abortion if you're pro uh, choice. It's the same power that um, that bans the Fourth Amendment if you're gonna if you if you think that ought to happen. So it's like there's a slippery slope, and, and somewhere uh, we have to at least have the discussion. The problem is right now if you have that discussion, and, and I'm not out there having that discussion, other than maybe in the millions of listeners on this podcast, people are getting shouted down for it. And, and, and I, what I read, I read briefly what DeWine said. What he just read was mass or recommended. Sure. He didn't mandate them. I think he and did he, for employers. He did not. That, that was what came out yesterday with Amy. Okay. And that's what I wanted to go just, over with you because I don't know how far it is, what it means or where it's at. But, yeah, he recommended them. And then Amy, uh, she came out with, with uh, the other call here. I'll find it. Well, Doc, what we're talking about here is there was an order that was issued this morning. Amy Acton issued an order. She's the director of health. And uh, our courts up here have made a distinction between actions by the director of health versus actions by the governor in the context of uh, of uh, postponing the election, the primary election. So they based our courts basically said, well, you know, the governor did it, so it's it's not proper. But if the director of health does it, it is. Now, from my standpoint, legally, I don't know all the nuance, but I do know that the administrative departments are the executive branch anyway. So to me, it's sort of the same. I mean, if, if DeWine is telling the director of health who sits at his discretion, do this, well, she's going to do it. So who, you know, whatever it is, there's got to be an emergency declaration and then go do it. We, we were sitting around Shorty's birthday, you know, her birthday was just, just Wednesday. And, you know, and at two o'clock we sat there and we were both listening to DeWine and Amy and at one point, I was just looking outside, and I just I kind of broke, man. I was like, here I am listening to the speaker, to my master's orders of what I can do and what I cannot do. What are we allowed to do today? What's the new news? What, what are these? What are they going to take from us today? What are they going to give us today? Now think about You're that. You're saying you like it. No, I don't like oh. this at all. Dude. Think about I don't that. Like this when, at all. When, when has that ever existed in the history of our country where you're looking, maybe in World War II with the rationing and in uh, the blackouts? I don't know. But when else has that ever existed where you're looking to the leader of your uh, your entity, the state of Ohio, for permission well, to I'll do I'll give things. you an example. Sitting there watching the ticker of Vietnam. 
Is my number going to come up today? Do I have to go over there? You're waiting to be drafted. Well, that's the draft. Well, I'm saying you're watching the yeah, government. Yeah, but you weren't being say told you're going. if you could leave your house. You well, could, you could, I'd you rather could, you be told my house and go to war. I didn't get called today. Well, I can still go to my business. I can still go to work. I can still go walk around. This is different, man. This is I couldn't take her out to dinner. I couldn't go out to eat. Even the beaches that are open in some places are like they open the beaches where you're not allowed to sit down. You're only allowed to walk. So there's still are rules and restrictions of what goes on. I stopped by the Home Depot. They have people wrapped all the way around. And they have people on these X's every six feet. And they say, next mark, next mark. I was at a grocery store, and I was just, I walked down an aisle. There was nobody in the aisle, right? Sir, sir. Yeah, you're walking the wrong way. You're walking the wrong way. Right, but there's nobody in the aisle. Okay? Fall in line, brother. So then I go into the other aisle, and I come up. Now, here's the deal. To those that don't know these marks where you should stand and if you're allowed to walk forward and listening to a speaker to tell you what to do, that is prison. Okay? In prison, there's a speaker that you have to listen to 24-7, right? And it will tell you what to do. And then they will tell you where to go. They will tell you what marks to stand on. You will go in hallways where you're only allowed to walk one way on this side and the other way on this side and don't step in the middle. So if people are willing to fall into this, the view's a little different if, you, if you've been, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. And I found it odd that whenever I was at the Home Depot, there's an off-duty sheriff there, right, to keep an eye on all these people, make sure they're following the guidance that's been handed down because we're too stupid to and, take care of ourselves. And let me, let, me, let me just say, Jeff, you were talking about the draft. Which, Jared, you told me that point the other day, and I was just like blown away. That's a very interesting analogy, and I think it's appropriate. Um, but it's not the draft. I mean, and if it is the draft, if you t- if you take the draft as an example of government overreach, um, and you and that would be a bad example. If you say I don't like that, that is akin to this. I'm not saying overreach. I mean, it may have been necessary at the time, but it, from an individual personal standpoint, you're sitting. You were describing sitting and listening to a speaker to get orders. That's exactly what those folks had to do. Uh, it's not. I, I don't think it's the same in the sense that uh, y- you know there's a. whether you believed it in your duty, whether you didn't believe in your duty, whether the government had the power to do it or not, it's a totally separate constitutional issue than telling people how they have to act in public uh, beyond just not. I'm not, I agree. It's different. I'm just saying it's similar. I mean, they're they're telling you what you have to do with your body report. Uh, All right. Well, they're telling some, fair enough. But if the idea is that's bad, then this is worse, and doing one bad doesn't justify something worse. So this is the I, I get this argument all the time too. Well, we limit all sorts of constitutional rights, and my response is always, "Yeah, and I hate every bit of it." That doesn't mean we should do more. So the people who hate, uh, so the, what would you need to see? Like, let's say we open back up, you guys get your wish, and and there's a the, the death toll goes way up, well, here's the sickness a, goes way up. Here, when, and doc, what, when would you agree? Never, here, doc. Here, here, never should lock down. Here, here, no, no, no. And say, would I ever agree to keeping us locked down in perpetuity? Never. So, Doc, here's my question. It seems to me, and we started off this way, it seems to me that there is a certain part of our population that's going to get really sick. And there's a certain part of our population that isn't going to get really sick. And if you're Sweden or if you're Denmark or, or uh, the Netherlands, well, then you've just done that sooner. But eventually, those numbers, if you just look at the statistics, are going to hit everybody about the same with this. And now the issue is if we flatten the curve now, uh, we're in the margins either by 
uh, not overwhelming the system or giving us a little bit more time to treat the symptoms to save some of those lives, but certainly not all of them. And, and so now the question is, is it better to bite the bullet and just get it done? Uh, because clearly our hospitals are empty. Clearly we have the medical resources now, and I'm presuming this stuff. I don't know it to be fact, but I, I think I'm right. Um, so let's just get it done. Now, that doesn't mean that, Jeff, if, if it looks like uh, we were 100% wrong, that there is, um, you know, you can never, I, I can't think of a scenario actually where that doesn't work. You know, I just can't think of a scenario where it makes sense to keep everybody locked down until we get a vaccine because there's always another reason to keep us locked down. And if you don't, if you don't just bite the bullet at some juncture, um, we flatten the curve, we're ready. Let's take it on. That doesn't mean I'm not going to do everything I can to reasonably protect myself and everybody else uh, that uh, from getting the virus who I think is uh, who I could protect. But it's not my job um, to protect uh, somebody who is susceptible and a completely in, that I never interact with. You know, I, it's like I, I don't want to get that person sick either. But it's like, all right, that person has to take responsibility. If I have a if I'm uniquely susceptible to this, I'm not going out. I'm going to lock myself down because I don't want to get exposed. Now, on the other hand, if I'm an asshole and I know that I've got the virus and I'm uh, like that basketball player did that time, you know, it's like he, he's like, oh, yeah, blah, and sneezing on people. And then everybody gets sick in the room. Well, that's an asshole. All right. That's a problem. That's a to, to me, that's assault. Um, yeah. And that's yeah. already a crime. But, you know, saying that you have to treat me the same by forcing or treat everybody the same by forcing into, into this uh, prison-like routine uh, because we think that that's going to eventually or that might benefit everybody in some way, even though we know that most of the time it doesn't really matter. Well, that's insane to me. So that's justifying a huge swath of government regulatory power uh, just because. And and it's I think it's not premised on good data. Maybe the shutdowns initially were premised upon incomplete data, and for that I can give the government a pass. But now we're getting data. It's like we know who – we have pretty good ideas now, Doc, don't we, of who is the most susceptible to this, um, generally speaking. We know that. Uh, so why not create regulatory action based on that instead of uh, killing the whole body? Yeah, I, I think um, – well, I think some of these states that are opening up, um, you know, even upstate New York starting to relax, uh, Georgia – uh, California, Florida, I, I think we should in the next few weeks, watch them closely, you know, cause the incubation period is about 14 days. Yep. I think, and I know they're under criticism and it's controversy, but it's kind of an experiment. Oh, sure. And if, and, and, and if they're willing to do that, we should watch and see how, how things are going to respond. And if, if there isn't, if there's not that big spike that everyone's worried about, then I think, you know, the conversation to really start opening up should. The I, numbers I, will go up. There'll could, be more yeah. testing. There will be more testing than there's been done. So no matter what, the numbers are going to go well, up because it, there's some people that we don't well, know. De- we're we're going to find it. To me, it would be deaths. Deaths. Death. Okay. Yeah. Death, uh, you know, the, the denominator is just up in the air, you know, because of the lack of testing availability and all that. And to me, the death per thousand or million people, that's going to be your hard, that's your hard number right there. But even, but even that number I think has to be 
there has to be some other stuff that factors into it, and not just deaths, but deaths that wouldn't have happened otherwise. And you may not be able to get that number exactly, but right. deaths that are caused by the not by the fact that you got viral exposure, because that's going to happen anyway, no matter if we you shut down You could be asymptomatic and have a stroke. And the flu didn't affect you, and then they test you, test positive, they're going to go with that. They're calling it COVID. Now, not to blame the hospital too much, they are a business, and right now they're losing money because they like to be at 80% capacity. And right now they're furloughing and sending home people from the hospital, making no money. Government funds them for every case that they find. They get funded for every body they have. So if I was running the place in the morgue, it would be Corona time, bro. Well, I'd be handed. It's happy hour, dude. We're gonna he's get got to Corona. That. He's got Corona. You got Corona. Let me finish. Everybody's more, got the Corona. Let me finish one more thing, and then we're gonna get because that's a great point. But it's like, Doc, we need to we need to factor in the deaths that happened in the margin uh, that are caused by the fact that the curve the, uh, by the by the spike alone. In other words, if you're going to get it and die, there's certain people, whether you get it now or whether you get it with a million other people at the same time, it's going to kill you. Um, then there's people that during the spike that maybe could have been saved by uh, maybe more individualized care and or treatment that developed shortly after. Or if you lock down long enough, you're going to be treated and you could have been saved. But then there's going to be people who couldn't be saved either way because they're 87 and they've got COPD and they're ready to die anyway. They're going to die. Um, and that comes into Jared's point, which is, I didn't know this, but apparently, um, there's an incentive for hospitals to classify deaths as COVID deaths. And that incentive is very direct and very financial. Um, if they class, if they have a COVID death, they get X dollars, uh, for funding. If they have a COVID discovery, Jared, you said they get, uh, less dollars, but they still get dollars. So now we're getting like, if you had COVID and you died of a stroke, it is a COVID death now and, and maybe say that you're going to die anyway. So it's like, it gets really, really dicey uh, when you start, when you start going down that road, but let's just presume, let's just presume that everybody's acting altruistically. And, and uh, I guess you can't even presume that because it's like, there's an incentive to call something a COVID death, even though you had it and you might've survived COVID, but while you had it, you had a heart attack. Now it's a COVID death. What are your thoughts on that doc? And is, do you, I mean, does it surprise you that something like that would be going on? I can't, I don't have any firsthand experience. I do not, I haven't read the reports, but I did hear somebody talking about it in the medical field. Yeah. I've, I haven't read anything directly, but I have heard some grumblings about uh, overcalling the disease to beef up the numbers. And I didn't realize I, this is news to me too, that hospitals are incentivized, uh, financially to have COVID cases. I mean, that's a, that's a shocking thing for me because I, I, I'm with you as like uh, beefing up, calling something a death uh, just to beef up the numbers to make it look worse than it is. If you're, if you're a doctor, I, I just don't see that motivation and at least not large enough to make a huge impact on the number of deaths. But if you're a hospital and you're getting money, if, if you can classify something as a COVID death, well, now I can see those numbers Actually, I can see that moving the needle a little bit on those numbers uh, and inflating it to a point where it would matter beyond a deviation, yeah. I guess, or beyond a standard deviation. All right. Let's talk vaccine for a second. I mean, we, you, you started to mention the Oxford thing. I saw that article and I sent it over to you. Let's talk about good news. When are we going to get immunized from this? Well, as, you know, they've done their uh, – the, they tested on rhesus monkeys. I guess they are have the closest – 
immune system to humans. Um, I'm sure chimpanzees are up there, but they're a lot harder to come by. Uh, and they had good success with it. And um, they, uh, Oxford University, is they've teamed up with AstraZeneca, the pharmaceutical company, who will probably help them expand the production and availability and distribution. Um, and they are starting clinical trials on, on humans. And the way they're going to do it is they're going to find clusters of people who were around someone with uh, COVID-19 who are negative at the time, you know, give them the immunization and they'll split them up between those getting the immunization and those not, and then uh, look at the, um, the illness and, um, even then, that you seems know, like a, it seems like an incomplete conclusion, I suppose. So it's like you wouldn't know if they would get it anyway. I mean, I, like unless somebody's going to volunteer for the COVID injection after they got the shot for the for the the vaccine, how do you it, it, how is that normally done? I don't even know. Well, they would. What they'll do is they'll compare those who got the immunization or the vaccine shot with those who did not, and they'll look they'll look at um, you know, how many got sick, how many died, uh, what was the severity of the illness too? Cause that's, you know, you see that a lot with the flu vaccine, you get the vaccine, um, and then later on you get the flu, but the symptoms are probably not as bad as they would have been if you were not immunized at all. So that's what the, they're going to, they're going to look at a, a variety of outcomes you know, disease, disease severity, death rate. And I think they're going to do, a, I think a couple thousand people. So they'll have enough numbers to make a statistical comparison. All right. Um, when we first talked as, as the shutdowns were right at the initial stages, we talked about a vaccine and you were like, yeah, unfortunately it's like, it's usually about 14 months or something like that. I think that's what you said, 14 months to 18 oh, yeah. months. And they said this, I mean, this is the fastest, uh, a vaccine has even approached viability. Interesting. And yeah. And I think part of that too, is the technology, you know, the, the recombinant technology, the molecular and genetic technology. Um, you know, when you're, when you put that full force towards something, I think it can happen faster now than it has been historically. And then I, I had this, I had this debate with somebody that I was encountering, um, and my position was just imagine if China had its first case, however long ago that was, or a group of cases. When China first realized, oh, shit, we got a big problem on our hands, they reached out to the world in good faith and said, and I'm not saying they didn't do this. I'm saying what if it, this would have happened? I, I guess I'm presuming they didn't, but if I'm wrong, somebody check me. They reach out to the world and say, guess what world uh, medical and scientific genetic epidemic uh, geniuses I, we have this new virus. Help! Let's let's get a vaccine now. It's like it, 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 like if that's viable, then we get to turn back the clock on this vaccine, like eight months, maybe even longer. Yeah. Well, the first cases were in December. Here. And no, no, I, I know. What's that? It was before that in China, wasn't it? Maybe I'm wrong. 
I know that's being looked at. Or we don't uh, know. Let's assume December. Let's just assume December. Yeah, like early December. And people really didn't start getting on the ball till like February or March. So yeah, we I mean we definitely lost about three months on this. And, did- and they've and they've they've shown the numbers like with each week sooner of kind of addressing this, the, the numbers of infected drop by, you know, powers of 10. And what is the, what's your take on, cause I, irrespective of the politics of what party of anything else, what's your take on the world health organization, the WHO or the, who the hell are they? Well, you know, Trump pulled funding and cause he was unhappy with how, so the China has a lot of influence on the WHO. Yeah. And um, there's credible reports that uh, China tried to minimize this outbreak and the WHO was complicit with that and they didn't respond as quick as they should have. So I, you know, um, and that's, you know, if you've noticed Cause you always got to get your news from multiple sources, the left and the right. Yeah. We've talked CNN, about this, Fox, yeah. and, you know, just all of that. And there hasn't been much criticism about Trump withdrawing funds from the WHO. Even, you know, even from the people that hate an outcry on CNN and CNN has reported that China and the WHO did kind of downplay everything in the beginning. And we lost valuable time doing right. that. Right. And, you know, irrespective, those, so what you're saying really is those who hate Trump and have every motivation to whack him over the head with whatever they could aren't really whacking him too hard over pulling funding from the WHO because it looks like the WHO here and China may have been in cahoots here and or yeah. complicit, to use your words, on in, in sort of minimizing the consequences of this. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's documents. The State Department was looking into this even in January. Um, you know, there's credible, this isn't like a political thing. This is, this is a real thing. Well, I, I, th- I think what happened is, uh, China's their level four lab, I think where they were studying coronaviruses from bats, I think it got out somehow. I don't, they didn't, you know, they didn't design this. This is a, a naturally occurring virus but I think they let the cat out of the bag and they didn't want to look bad that, you know, their uh, containment wasn't up to par with other, you know, advanced industrialized countries. I think it would have been a bit of black eye and they were, they kind of quelled it and hoped it would go away and it didn't. That's what I think happened. They, they didn't, the public optics was going to be bad. So they were just trying to kind of keep it quiet. And, and everything is in effect, let me let me let me take my jab at socialism again or communism. Everything is in fact the government there. So the government is responsible. It was their lab, right? I mean, that was the it was a government run lab in China that was studying this. Yeah. So the a level four is like what our CDC lab is that handles Ebola and all these small pox is probably still you know, and um, officials from the United States visited this lab and they were like terrified this was back in january of 2019 they they said this this lab is not does not have the uh containment and isolation 
technology and infrastructure that a true level four lab has. But China, you know, they were trying to say, look, we, we, we can have this type of research too. We're, we're advanced also. And, and, and that they were focused more on the, uh, their public image but there were people concerned about this lab a year before, at least a year before this happened. If you know, what was the reliance like uh, if I would have asked somebody or if I did ask somebody a year ago about the World Health Organization, what answer would I get? I mean, was that a trusted organization a year ago, but not now? Um, because it seems to me that anything that says World Health Organization is an impossible. Uh, it just it's impossible for that to be. Uh, well, just not the right word. Uh, uh, trustworthy, I said, or, or non-influenced, maybe is the best word. Yeah, it, they're 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 going to have to really restructure their organization because it's become politicized. But that, I mean, that happened. That any big bureaucracy that starts off with a noble cause, when it's big enough and established long enough, eventually it's going to become politicized. Even our CDC has been criticized for that because it's gotten so big, so bureaucratic. And that's why they, you know, that's why their tests, you know, the initial, the initial COVID test was flawed. There was some contamination in it. Hmm. You know, that, that was one of the other private companies said, Hey, we're ready to do this. And the CDC is like, no, we got this. Cause there's a little bit of hubris there. And, uh, you know, they just got too big and unwieldy and, uh, um, you know, they, 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 their quality of work has, has been diminished because of the bureaucracy. Well, let me just offer this. And, and I think that's probably true of all these big bureaucratic organizations. Let me just offer this little bit of wisdom. No matter who's in charge, it would be the same bureaucracy that exists right there. And it would be yeah. the same problems that emerge there. And anybody who thinks that we can somehow change that under a different watch is nuts. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're a Democrat. It is still yeah. the same bureaucracy. You cannot, you know, it's like your version of it, your individual version of it. I mean, how arrogant is that to think that, all right, it won't happen under my watch that we that this happens or this occurs when for the last how many thousands of years of of, of, of history we have, it always happens. So, I mean, and that's not to say some of this isn't a necessary evil, but it is to say that it, it, we have to recognize it as a necessary evil and then maybe not rely too much on it and let it get bigger if we can avoid that. That's yeah. It, 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 when you start adding layers and layers of leadership and compartmentalization, you start moving away from your, your primary mission. So multiple government problems can only result in multiple government solutions. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's that's kind of what I'm hearing. Right. Multiple governments, they slipped up ours, theirs, everybody. There's plenty of blame to go around everyone. Oh, yeah. And uh, and and so now I was thinking about what you said there, like watching Georgia as a test in the 14 day. And I started thinking, well, that's kind of odd. He gave me another, you know, I mean, he get, he he added two weeks to my sentence whenever I thought I was going to go back to work. You know, I mean, we started with the sixth and then now we can now we go to another month on the first and then he says, no, Jared, you can wait till the 12th because although you thought it was the first, no, it's not. 
And now, if the numbers start going up and Amy sees them going up in somewhere else, is she going to come back and say, yes, see, I told you we had to keep everybody at home till the 28th, and we're going to have to push back retail because it's going up there because they opened the retail there. I know we said the 12th, but it's not going to be till June 1st. Well, isn't there inevitably going yeah. to be a spike in numbers and deaths? I mean, it has to happen. As soon as you open up, anybody who is susceptible to death before is still susceptible to mm-hmm. death, and just because... Uh, you've delayed that. Uh, the only thing that would ever prevent that would be closed down until there's a, a 100% reliable vaccine or immunization or like treatment. Like for AIDS. Yeah, or treatment that would that would make it so they would never die from COVID. That vaccine. So if you like, if we take that logic to its extreme, it never ends. And like you said, Jerry, there's always a reason to extend this. There's I have this I, I don't know. There's this concept I call it incrementalism where incrementally it's really easy for a, a power actor to chip away at what at our freedoms and our rights. I mean, it's very easy to do it incrementally because there's always a good reason to do just a little bit more. It's, it's like the, the frog in the boiling pot of water. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's like sooner or later, or there's another analogy in a book Jeff and I have read, it's a, there's this pitcher plant. Where if you, there's this plant apparently that uh, devours insects for its uh, sustenance, and it's got this, it's like a think Venus flytrap, like a big open plant and this this leaf, and and what happens is it's got this really sweet nectar in it, and you, the other insects and other uh, organisms can smell the nectar and they really like it, and the closer they get down to the nectar, the more they can smell it, and they even start to taste it, and when they realize that the nectar is really poison and they're going to get eaten alive, uh, it's too late, they can't go back. Um, yeah, and they fall in the water. Yeah, they, they fall in the boiling water, right? So it's like this, uh, it always happens incrementally. And what we're talking about, what Jared just uh, what, what Jared just called John, for lack of a better way to put it, is that he added two weeks to his schedule because, all right, we got to test for two more weeks. All right, well, we didn't know for sure in that two weeks, so let's add another 10 days, maybe only seven this time. And, you know, it's like when I, if you told your kids, you know, you've got, we're going to read for 30 minutes. And then at the end of that 30 minutes, you added 10 more. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not fair. You just added 10 more. I planned on 30 minutes. It's like they, they revolt it, it, from their guttural core. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just not fair. But, uh, you know, incrementally, if you say read for two more minutes, and I'll tell you in two more minutes how long you can read. It's like then they'll be like, well, I need to know now so I know what to plan for. And, and we don't have that now. Instead, it's like this incremental pitcher plant uh, leading right to hell from what I can tell. Field sobriety test. Just cool. go ahead and put your leg up. Well, how how far do I have to count? I'll tell you when to stop. I'll so now, when, when I open yeah. and they want, then a customer comes in wearing a mask. I have to check ID. All right, and uh, so what do I do? You have to check ID. I have to check ID. You have to be twenty one oh. years of age to make a purchase in my store. Well, you you said yeah. So if I check the ID and you've got a mask on, I mean, see, there's the unintended consequences. They got to have those at liquor stores. Take it out of you for a second, just to make it yeah totally fair. Yeah, how's a liquor store going to check your ID if you got a mask on? And be reliable. Or you can touch your face and remove the mask really quick, and then it would been worthless for wearing it in the first right. damn place. All right. Drop your mask for me, please. I mean, it's, it's you yeah. know, it's it's. Silly. The point is, I guess my point is this. If the government said, we need you, private business, to do everything you possibly can uh, to make it safe for people, uh, and then, you know, I have, a, I have a compadre I know. Jeff, you know who this is. We talked about it. Who is, he bends very far left, certainly a lot farther left than I do, and and. Uh, and by that, I mean, I'm sort of libertarian, but he, you know, he's one of these folks. I'm good friends with him. We would debate it, but 
he had the most insightful thing that I have seen somebody like that write. He was he was uh, on Facebook, of course, where all the most important discourse occurs. Um, there, he was going back and forth with somebody else who also is uh, what I would consider a communist, uh, debating this mask thing, and. The one guy, the original poster was like, yeah, right, this, uh, you know, we should all have masks. That was his point. And the government should do it. And my other buddy's just like, well, look, I'm just not going to go into a store that doesn't mask up, I think was his terminology. And I thought to myself, I was pulling in my driveway. I stopped for a second and I thought- The opposite of Jared. That was the most insightful thing I have seen yet. I couldn't agree more. If you're a customer and you don't want to go into a store because it doesn't look or feel or make you feel comfortable and safe, then by all means, don't go. And guess what that store will do next time? If enough customers don't go, it will correct itself. Now, the counter argument in the course of a pandemic is we have, we have only moments to spare, right? I mean, we, we have to act now. Otherwise, it gets far worse. But I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing that we're going towards an inevitable conclusion of a certain percentage of deaths no matter what we do. And how's it look on the journey? Uh, and it seems to me that Jared, if you open your store and you are acting like a jackass, sneezing all over people, not keeping it clean or irrespective of clean or not, not giving people the perception that you're clean and safe, uh, nobody's going to entertain it. You're not going to have any customers. They're going to go to the store or I'd, I'd say, well, that's fine. Jared's store, man, that's like virus city over there. I'm starting my own vape store right around the corner. You come to me, I got the safety. And, you know, that's a better government strategy, I think, which is really a non-government Advanced strategy. Advanced COVID. Change your name, dude. Advanced COVID. We may have to. Who knows what could open up, brother? Yeah. Now, on oh. that, you know, Amy said that if you use your, your, your disinfectant wipes, you'll get rid of 98.9% of, uh, of, of the viruses there, but then they'll mutate on the table, which they won't. But oh. I'm, I've won up that, man. So that's wrong. Now, so, so as a business owner, yeah, that I, I haven't been able to open up yet. So I have to make changes to my store, which I've already cleaned it out. I've got fresh paint on all the walls. I've redone that. And I've got an area where I had a waiting area. Let's say you came in with your wife or husband or someone was shopping. I had a place you could sit. Or if you were waiting for help, I had a place to sit. Well, there's no longer you, – you can't, you can't loiter. No loitering is, is in the rules. So I've removed the chairs. I'm leaving two on far separate ends from each other. And then I had to go out and spend money. And I bought this case that's going to sit there. It's a chest, and it's got a flip top on it there. And I'm going to have gloves, sanitation wipes. I'm going to have the Perel pump there. I'm going to have uh, paper towels for you to wipe your hands with, trash disposal area. Next to that, I have an industrial steam cleaner, which I will have that running at 280 degrees, which at 280 degrees, Doc, do I get the virus? Yeah, that should take care of it. That should take care of it. Better than the disinfectant wipes that are going to be there. So now I'm going to use that right there. I'm going to have a log every hour. If nobody comes in the store, we're going to clean the cases, the counter, the checkout area, the door handles inside and out. It's got a hose. It'll be running all the time there. Now, then again, that is me trying to protect my employees, trying to protect my customers. And I'm going above and beyond what they say. But now here's the other thing. I haven't been open in two months. Yeah, okay. so tell me, so are you I've able to, to no. like, if I'm a longtime customer of yours, I'm not able to call the store and put, uh, put a shipment we to be delivered for a while. or something? We were for a while, then questions got brought up and asked, and we were no longer allowed to do okay. roadside service. So okay. that got shut down on us uh, by the speaker. And the but speaker I can go into no. a gas station and buy a vape. You sure, yeah. you sure can. Yeah. And you can buy CBD. CBD stores were allowed for a while, and they said, no, if you want CBD, you better have a medical card. You can go to one of our state-run dispensaries, which they are allowed to do that. Uh, you're allowed to go buy alcohol. You're allowed to buy cigarettes there. But we'll get back to it. 
I had to. I have to add another line because even at this, well, I'm only going to be allowed not to interrupt to, you. But they changed the laws so that you could buy alcohol and drive it home in your car with your margarita mix. Yeah, you can get a pre mixer, kind of like you know. Yeah, you can get an old fashioned, and uh, don't drink it in the car, two per person. And so you can go ahead and, and booze up on the way home. That's fine. Do you and see that as a slight to your business? I don't see it as a slight to my business. I don't. I, I see that them trying to help out people they've stolen from. So you have at it. Um, I don't understand why you wouldn't just close like a coffee well, store right now. I can't walk into it, but I can go to their door, text them. I want an espresso. They'll bring it out to me, and I, and I pay for it. See, here's I don't the understand why with, you can't do the same thing. Here's the problem with government action, right? Is that it, now you have this? We have this system, like in Jared's situation, that if. Amy Acton or somebody else who's making the call decides that he's not essential and shouldn't be able to do commerce, then she can say, no, you can't open up. But then Walmart, who happens to sell milk and vape or gas stations that sell gas and vape, well, they can. And they can sell the same product Jared's selling. In a, and I've been in gas stations. They aren't they aren't doing what you're describing. Let me just say no. that. For and, the, what came to mind when I heard about all that happened and I was thinking about you is, well, Jared's a businessman. He's going to sit out there with jugs of gas and he's going to say, come fill your lawnmowers up and then come on in and we can. That requires a license base. to sell gas. You know, and it, yeah, there's, we got to pick your battle, right? You know what I mean? And I don't want to pick a battle with the health department because they already hate me. You know what I mean? Amy Acton, <laughs> she's been my arch nemesis for a while. Whenever she was on TV saying the same thing about vape as she's saying about Corona. And now then again, so I will have to have I will have the ability for people to order online and call ahead, and I will do curbside and pickup. But I'm gonna have to do that when I'm allowed to open because I will only be able to have so many people in my store, so many customers. I'm gonna be limited to the space. Those people are gonna need attention to broken items, to want to quit smoking, to come over to this, and so to alleviate that, I have to add another phone line. That cost me more a month. I had to buy the phone. I had to buy the steamer. I had to buy the. I. Had to buy, I it, the, you know, I am. Money is going out. You know, what I mean, for me to be ready to open up, and I had already did all of this when I assumed that I was going to be able to open on the first. But then no, you know, and he kept putting it off. Asked about business. Well, we we're supposed to tell us on Thursday and Friday. Well, that didn't come through. It's very incrementalism in intensive. And then Monday he decides to tell us. Well, and then this morning we wake up and they've added on to it. And at what point do we go back to living? Well, at what point do, do does what? Well, let me ask. Let me ask. Uh, you're right. There is no answer to that. The answer is when we've the 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 power structure that we've we've created tells us when we can. But Doc Jared Jared played something for us before we started recording from uh, the director of health, and she was making this comment that viruses can mutate on hard surfaces. And that's why we need to wipe them clean with these sanitation wipes. What are your thoughts on that? Um, the, a virus isn't going to Or not mutate, mutate or, but, but yeah, reproduce. 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 It, it, uh, virus can't reproduce or, and through reproducing mutate um, on a surface. It needs, it needs to be infected inside of a, a cell of a... So that's just uh that's just a that's just bad info then that either she yeah, misstated I, uh, or didn't mean that way or whatever. Yeah, maybe she did. I I think what she meant was um you know if you disinfect a surface maybe you miss a few and Yeah, and she was saying that you have to have a schedule written. Well, that was good because I already had this plan before I was told to do it, you know. I I appreciate it whenever the weatherman tells me a storm is coming. I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. I can even look at a radar, and I know it's coming at me. That gives me the chance to bunker down or ride into it. 
If I'm going to ride into it, they don't need to tell me I should put a rain suit on because you told me the storm was coming. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. But it's my choice to ride into it. And it's, I know enough to put my rain gear on. I know enough to put my flashers on. I know enough to, to do this to where, you know, but then for them to come down with these transient rules and then the way that they're going to force them is they're turning the world into hall monitors, right? So if somebody sits outside my store, maybe they're not coming in, they don't like or something they see, maybe they don't even like vape. Or worse yet, your competitor. Yes. They right. decided they, you know I mean? Which on that, this is what I've told my team and I'm retraining them. We're going through it. Now I'm going to tell you, nobody on my team wants to wear a mask including me. And I didn't influence them because here's the thing. If they, even before they were saying it's mandated, I told them all, if you, if anybody were to feel more comfortable, this is before they close this down. If you feel more comfortable wearing a mask, please do so. If a customer wants to walk in wearing a mask, I'm fine with that. Then I ask all of them because they're there. I said, do you have any feelings about somebody walking in without a mask? No, we're fine with that because we have these cases and no matter what, without an X mark or anything like that, I've, I've even moved them to where the, the customer can stand. We will be within the, the radius of six feet. Now, also, I have to cut the amount of hours or I'm going to extend my hours because I can't where normally I would have to have, at, you know, I mean, three to four employees in there at a time. Well, now I don't need that because if I had those four bodies in there, it takes away customers' bodies. So I can only have two to have three customers in the store at a time. To, you know, I mean, for it to work out for my square footage. And this, this is where it trickles into it. This is where the real breakdown is going to go. Is that how, or, you know. This is how the government can use a regulatory scheme, either intentionally or unintentionally, to put somebody out of business. I mean, this is, this is, this is how it is. Now, the, the, the proponents would say, well, then they shouldn't be doing business anyway. And the opponents are saying, this is, in, this is insane. I fall on the, this is uh, insane side. Let me ask one more, let me ask one more question, Doc. Um, and this will this will lead back to my favorite topic that Jared's getting at right here, which is these unintended consequences. Um, I have done some listening and reading, and I admit I am far from anywhere versed in this at all. But uh, the the basic gist of it is that uh, immunity needs exposure; otherwise, you don't get immunity. So if we have if we are sanitizing everything we touch from here to from here on out. Um, in order to protect ourselves from the dreaded COVID, are we not doing further damage to our or, or compromising our own immune systems from having exposure to the kind of bacteria, the kind of viruses, the other stuff that we need in order to not get sick and die from other things that uh, that we would normally be exposed to incrementally and therefore develop an immunity to? Like we all know that kids get sick more, um, and I presume that's because they haven't had the exposure to stuff that we have. Uh, what is the, what's your thought on that logic? That, that shouldn't hurt your overall immunity. Um, you know, when you're an adult, you know, you've been exposed to a lot of the common stuff and you keep that immunity with you. Um, th this isn't going to hurt that. Um, so is it more effective to hurt the younger, the, the children? that are no longer at playgrounds, that are no longer getting the sickness, that are no longer passing it out, that are setting, you know what I mean? So now that their, their immunity is going to be broken down to where when they get hit here in a year that they're going to, that, that that's going to affect them in a way. Um, it's a very, uh, this is a very complicated and, and uh, question and there's a lot of subtleties in the answer. Um, there's still plenty of bacteria and, uh, other pathogens in your house, you know, mold. Not with my steamer. 
I left. I I live next door to somebody that that, uh, homeschooled their kids. They had a number of kids, Mm -hmm. and I I didn't. You know, we were close with them, and they're nice people. They didn't. I didn't see them talking about their kids always being sick because they didn't go to school. You know what I mean? So if you're outside and you're 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 still active. Let's put it this way: your immune system's not going to collapse if it's not continually challenged. Now there is some argument that completely shielding uh, yourself from pathogens uh, as a as a kid can, and some people have problems. That's one of the thoughts in uh, multiple sclerosis. Actually, interesting. It, it, it happens uh, most commonly in females who grew up like in a pristine suburban setting, you know, and the thought is over time, your immune system, it needs to attack something. So it starts attacking yourself. Interesting. Yeah. So, but that is, um, you know, those are extreme cases there. It's not very common, but you know, sterilizing your environment during a, pandemic is not going to hurt your immune system overall. Gotcha. Hey doc, I got one question for you. What do you, what's your take on uh, wiping groceries down when you get home from the store? You should always do that. You're Um, seeing people coming home with, and and I've been guilty of it too, just wiping down with sanitizer wipes. I don't know if that's, I see that. I, I, I do that. I do that too. Like a zucchini? Do you wipe it down with a sanitation wipe? Your no, I just wash like those with strawberry. Soap. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's so, a good move. Yeah. That's but good like move. the actual containers, they say it can like stay on surfaces for like a big chunk of time. I don't know yeah, if it's so all where, hokey. So where are the bodies? Where are the, where are the Kroger's people? Where are the, where they're, they're handling it more than you. They are more accepted to all of this that you're saying that you got to scrub it down to get home from the, from there because you're touching it, right? What about the people that are stalking it and have to move it when you fumbled it around and you dug for the can that you wanted and they have to reorganize the shelf? Where Where's the mass falling to those people? Because those people are on the front line, man. And, and they weren't wearing masks two months ago whenever everything was super horrible. You know, things aren't as bad now. We've flattened out. You know what I mean? We've done it good here. So now we're going to go. It's like putting on a condom, you know what I mean, after you knocked her up. Right? It's like, I got her pregnant. I better put on a condom. <laughs> It's like you're a little late for that, cuz. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, got, I don't got, know that there's. I don't know there's an answer. I guess maybe we have to sign off with everybody's thought. Do we? What? What's? What's your plan from here? Yours is obviously reopen. Just reopen everything. Let's just get back to you know life as normal. Well, I no, I didn't exactly no, say that either. There's, there's, there's a, I there's said a that I was, I was, I was fine with opening after Easter or on the first there with with continuing in the social distancing continue in with the extra cleaning and making sure that things are going on there. But I, I'm not down with the mask, man. I'm not. And I can see where it's going to go and, and more stores are going to make you wear one. And, and so what do you do if you're in Menards and you see this guy waiting in line and he's got a mask and he's got a big swastika on it? Are you going to be like, take your mask off, please? Well, they wouldn't or tell you him to take his shirt off, would they? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, just I'm, I'm just, and then you're going to get into the social. Like see, I said, like, there's having having an uh, employee or employee or, or a customer wear a mask. It's like if he's coming in and interacting with you, and not have a mask on. I get it. You have all these cleaning supplies and stuff like that. I don't know, but you know, are masks the, the, proven the, the, to be the, 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 the same store that I was in where nobody was in the aisle? 
whenever I got yelled to go down one way and I had to come the other way. I see this hipster coming with like with this self-made Gucci mask or something. It looked like I had like their logos on it and stuff, right? And I step forward. So he's got plenty of room to walk behind me. And he says behind me, he says, really? No mask? He did, really? Yeah, You're no, making and that I, up. No, I'm not making this up. He said I, that? I, yes. And this is also after I listened to the speaker that told me that if I wanted to reopen my business, I needed to count gloves. I needed masks, which I've got P95s coming in because I knew where to find them. I don't know anybody else did. I ordered a whole case of them. They're coming in. They'll be available to any customer wants anyhow. I'll keep going. But now I'm looking for these gloves that I can't find and this product that I need to reopen my store. And I've been driving around all day, and I just wanted to get one ingredient for some braised red cabbage. And he says, really? No mask? And I didn't look at him. I'm standing there, and I said, keep walking. And then he was like, or what? Whoa, really? And then I turned to him, and I said, keep fucking walking. And he did. He, he kept walking. And now, see, and that was it. That was when I went home, and I said, oh, my God, Shorty. I said, this is not good. I was like the social pre you know I mean, the way they're going to put. So then when I started hearing this, I told her I was like this either. She, and she, won't, she doesn't want to wear a mask either. And I was like, so if they all shut us out, all these stores, I don't know, then then definitely the 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 market isn't get hit because I won't go out. I won't go if they're if you're gonna force me to do something, which is no, your store. I'm, I'm gonna fine. create a store that doesn't require masks and I'm gonna do tons of business then. And you know, I mean maybe there's probably gonna be less of me well, because I mean, everybody else, back to your point everybody on the, bus, else the market might dictate you gotta wear a mask or you shut that, down. And that was kind of what I told I, I, yeah. I talked with Steve last night and I've talked with my team because I've write a plan and then they change the plan. I write a plan, they change the plan. And I said, in the end, this is how we're going to go forward, and the market will dictate. And it always yeah. has, and it yeah. always will. Unless the government gets in the way of that, and then everything goes to hell. So, but, you know what I mean? If I wear a bandana around. Now, is, if there's nobody in my store, do my staff need to be wearing the mask? Because I'm going to have to tell you something. What We've all met up. We've had dinner together. We've laughed. We've hugged. Hell, we've had a drink. Um, we've all been together. And so... I, you know, I mean, if they have a bandana on and somebody comes in, we'll pull it up and I would ask it's for them. You know, Does DeWine know? I don't, I don't, I really don't care, man, because he's got no damn business, bro, really. Yeah, I'm just, that's kind of where I'm at on that. I mean, you know, if, if I do a business deal and they want to get rid of handshakes and I want to shake somebody's hand and they don't want to shake my hand, I'm going to ask them, are they scared of killing or are they scared of dying? Because neither one bothers me. You know, right, we're going to leave his two minutes. We're going we're to end his two minutes with that. Jeff, what's your two minutes on the, on the, uh, I, I just hope that I, I hope that everything we've talked about today is being considered by the people that make the big decisions. And if it's for our safety, I, I'm okay falling, falling in line. If it, if it's the, if it's the move we need to make the problem, I think all of us are struggling with right now is everybody has, problems everybody jared's got problems everybody, everybody. there's people that are worse off than jared yes. there's people that are i'm in i'm in an okay position i'm lucky for that but there's people way worse off than me so we gotta be thankful for what, what we have what we do have I agree. but i just hope that all those little people and it's being a big picture plan is being put in place and i i don't know what the right answer is i don't know i don't know if i should be wearing a mask i i Maybe it does nothing. Maybe it's all media driven. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I just hope keep their that, narrative and act in a DeWine. These people that are making these big decisions are doing it for if, you know, believe in their hearts they're doing the right thing. And if, and if they are, I'll, I'll, I'll fall in line with that. Doc, what do you think? This is a big mess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think I think the plan is going to change as we get more information. Um, and and I think there will be enough backlash against incrementalism where if it starts going a little too far, there'll be some there'll be some pushback. I also think oh, we're seeing from, it. Yeah. yeah. And and I think um, when the economic changes are get to that point where the curves cross, I think we'll that will be a, a pivot point maybe towards more uh, being more proactive and getting the economy back up and running. And I also think with each passing day, we the medical field's getting a better idea how to handle these cases, how to actually treat, not just do um, knee-jerk old protocols for uh, other diseases that really don't apply to this one. And uh, I think we'll have to see, I think Georgia and some of these other states that are opening up are going to, I mean, they are kind of the guinea pigs right now, and we'll we'll see how things look. Um, you know, if if the uh, if the a large enough segment of the population has been exposed, you know, that just gets us closer to a point where we do get that herd immunity. I don't think we're there yet, but um, yeah, it, this is a tough call, and I I kind of have to echo uh, I. I hope too that all of these things are in consideration before these decisions are made. Gotcha. All right. Well, let me give you my two cents is we got a war that is not just one front. It's not just a disease. It is a lot more complex than that. And anybody who thinks that the most important thing is, is beating COVID is I think uh, blind or intentionally blind or unwittingly blind, whichever the case to all the other problems that are coming and, and right behind, you know, uh, we were watching Germany in 1939, and then Japan bombed us in 1941 while we were looking the other way. Maybe that's not an exact analogy, but it's close. I mean, it's like, don't think that this can't hurt us in other ways beyond just getting infected and, and our population being sick. Uh, it's far more complex than that. I have huge concerns about the uh, the governmental power that has been taken or that has been usurped here, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. And never in history has a government given it back. Uh, so that's, uh, that's food for thought. Uh, we have a broad swath of policies that, uh, like Jeff said, I think they are in, um, at least I think, at least I'd like to think, or I'm going to assume for this two minute comment that, uh, they do have the best interest of the population in mind, but, uh, so many historical policies have been created with the be best interest of the population in mind that have resulted in millions of deaths for other unintended reasons or people use those same uh, powers later for really bad stuff. So uh, don't take for granted uh, your freedom. Don't trade your freedom uh, for anything. Uh, be safe. And we all are smart. We all are reasonable. We all are capable of doing what we need to do to protect ourselves and I do not need somebody else living far, far away from me telling me how to do it, but rather offering advice I will take. So uh, that is that, another riveting edition of Lawyer Talk. Uh, we have covered all sorts of ground. Doc, I appreciate it, man. That was, uh, it was really insightful, and, and you know, I always respect your opinions on things because you do you, you, you push me uh, a little bit to think about stuff in a different way, and I, I find that to be uh, enlightening. So 
Uh, that's good. And, and as always, you know, we're pumping people in now in the studio from afar and able to accommodate all sorts of extra stuff that here before we could not. So maybe that's a good thing that's come of this. Uh, this show is going to go on. It must go on because otherwise there'll be millions of disappointed listeners day in and day out. We still have Dan, the photo man. Uh, he'll be back here one day taking pictures and doing what he does. Freddie B, I talked to him the other day. Jared, he was asking about you. He is uh, making it happen uh, sound-wise. He gave me, uh, and he's giving me some insight on uh, how to make it all better or uh, all uh, even better than it is. So uh, lots of great stuff happening. Lawyer Talk now is its own website. Look it up. I think it's Lawyer Talk. Uh, off the record, dot com. I don't even know what it is, but it's good. Um, maybe I'll cut that part. <laughs> nah. uh, now we have a website, and there's lots more to come here at Channel Five One One. We are still here uh, and still bringing you lawyer talk off the record uh, on the air, at least until now.